The music is provided by Calvary Quartet. You can have more of their music at calvaryquartet.com or log on to our website at gospelbaptistchurch.com. I can still recall the day when Jesus saved my soul, when his blessed Holy Spirit came and took control. I trusted in his precious blood, my sin to atone, and I started singing. I decided to be a fundamentalist when I was 18 years old. I didn't know much. I didn't have a whole lot of uh, historical reference at 18, but I just believed in my soul that that was the, the group of people that I want to be associated with. It was people who believed the Bible. The old King James Bible is the Word of God. And I just believed that that group, from looking at them, being with them, and then looking at what was about me, that was a group that I wanted to give my uh, associate with as a Christian and be part of. And God had blessed me with that. And I always said if, if uh, fundamental Baptists quit being Bible believers, I'd be something else. I'm not so, so ad, ad, adorned or, or enamored by a title, uh, but I'm, I'm enamored by a person, Jesus Christ. And I want to follow him and what he commands is true. In the book of Daniel, the, the, um, there's a pattern I notice as I've studied the Bible for these years. There's a pattern. I'm always looking for patterns. I was a bass fisherman for a number of years, about 15 years in Okeechobee, mostly. And I learned that there is a pattern that bass have. There's a pattern snook have. There's a pattern bass have. There's a pattern dolphin have. And if you can learn those patterns, you can catch the fish. Now, if you don't learn those patterns, you'll find yourself out there all day casting, not catching a thing. One day I cast 600 times and didn't have one bite. But did I keep fishing? Of course you kept fishing. You know you're going to have days like that as a fisherman. By the way, they call it fishing, not catching. I mean, it's not take it, it, you know. And you know, soul winners that way, being faithful to Jesus. I go out door to door. I may not have anybody interested in the gospel uh, Saturday after Saturday after Saturday, but there's going to be that one Saturday that the Spirit of God, for whatever reason, especially comes upon the people I'm talking to, and some folks... Listen, and in listening, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. They become convicted of their sin, and they give themselves to Jesus and ask Him to be their Savior. One time, Brother Moon and I went. Remember that time? First house we went to, Brother Moon? Man, oh man, those people were interested in what we were saying. We went to the second house. That person was interested in what we were saying, and I said, God's come today. But let me tell you, as an old fisherman, I just keep casting whether they bite or don't bite. Because it's the right thing to do. There's a pattern for success in the Christian life. And God has a pattern in working with his people. Let me ask you some very searching questions this morning before I go and read kind of a lengthy passage, Daniel chapter 1, 1 through 20. I'll maybe not read the whole thing, but I'm going to read most of it and try to get a, a grip on what happened there in that first chapter of Daniel. And God put it there. The Holy Spirit put it there. The Bible says twice in the New Testament that those things in the Old Testament 
our, our, for our samples, our example, that we may look at that and learn on how God works. I want to know God. Well, let me ask you some questions. Would it ruin your life if someone, men, especially men here today at this moment in this question, Daniel was a man, so let me deal directly with the men. You ladies can check out, do whatever you like, play, uh, play candy gram or whatever you like. Would it ruin your life if someone would take you prisoner, men, and neuter you? I know men pretty well. Would you be able to recover with any degree of success from this kind of life-changing trauma that would not be reversible, by the way? Would your whole world fall apart? Would you lose all hope in the God? Now remember, this happened to you as a believer now. I'm not talking about an unbeliever. This happens to you as a believer. You want to do the will of God. You're dedicated to God. But God has it work out where a group of enemies, people that hate you, capture you, by very possibly kill your mom and dad in front of you, and maybe all your brothers and sisters, I don't know. And it's possible this happened to Daniel, by the way. And then they take you, and for their own vile, selfish reasons, they neuter you. What would that do to you? Would you lose your hope in the God you worship, who was supposed to protect you? Uh, kind of like what Jeremiah said when he said in Jeremiah 33, 3, Call upon me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which you know not. Would you be able to quote that verse? Or, or possibly what David said in, in Psalm 34, 10, where it says the young, young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Remember, you've just been neutered. Your parents were just killed in front of you by heathen, idol worshipers that, that worshiped gold, the Bible says, as God, and silver as God. You know they're wrong. But God that you worship, let this happen to you. Try to get in to chapter 1 of Daniel. Try to get in the head of Daniel. I want to try to get in his head this morning. Uh, he knew these verses. Psalms had been written about 1,000 B.C., so he had very likely access to the Psalms. He had access to these. And in Psalm 34, 17, uh, he may have gone through his mind, the righteous cry, and the Lord heareth, and delivereth them out of all their troubles. What happened to God there? Or maybe he said in Psalm 34, 19, where it says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth them out of them all. You've just been neutered. Your parents were killed in front of you. These verses are still true. These verses are still true. Now, they're not true to the way you think they should have been. Are you with me? You 
have an image of God in your mind that may not be true to the reality of who He is. You have certain stipulations that God ought to be this way and in this situation ought to act this way that very well may not be true to the reality of who He is or what He allows to happen to you. Beware that the devil loves that scenario. Because if he can get you to be disappointed in God because you have some false expectations of him, or if he can get you to be better than disappointed in God, how about you just get flat mad at God? You betrayed me. I believed in you. But you betrayed me. Well, he's got you. He's got you. You're his at that point. What about these? Where was the deliverance that God had promised in those verses? In Psalm 34, 7, where was the angel of protection? I've quoted, Brother Stephen, you probably quoted these verses too, like I have, where it says, The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. Lord, please. Well, in the case of Daniel, he didn't get delivered, did he? Or did or was Daniel in the will of God? I say he was. But I say it wasn't the will Daniel thought. Let's read in, in chapter 1, verse 1. Read down through, I know there's 20 verses, excuse the length of the passage, but I think it's important you get a grip on the context. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, under Jerusalem, besieged it. Obviously, the king of, of Babylon was a heathen, idol worshiper, gold worshiper, and idol uh, silver worshiper, and immoral in every way you could probably be immoral had done everything, anything. His word was like God's word. Men's lives hung on the man's word. And what's crazy about all this, uh, God refers to Nebuchadnezzar as my servant, Nebuchadnezzar. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand. This is a person that is a Jew by birth and is a, at least, at least in his head, because Jehoiakim was not a good guy. Jehoiakim had a form of religion, but denied the power thereof. And consequently, God hates that. And consequently gave Jehoiakim and all of the hosts of Israel over to a person that they thought was worse than them. Are you with me? They thought Nebuchadnezzar is much worse than we are. We at least acknowledge Jehovah, the creator of all the universe. They don't even think he created the universe. They worship these idols of gold. They think there's a, there's a God behind that gold idol. Man, they had trouble. I'm sure they had trouble putting this together in their head. And the Lord gave Joachim, the king of Judah, into their hand, a part of the vessels of the house of God, the house of God which he carried into the land of Shinar and the house of God, and he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God. He allowed, God Almighty allowed this, this his servant Nebuchadnezzar, which was a Babylonian idol worshiping heathen, to come into the uh, temple to uh, raise it. And I don't mean raise it like up. I mean to, to take everything out of it, to, to steal the things out of it, to desecrate it. 
and worse than maybe even all that insult on injury, to take the vessels that were meant to worship of the true God and creator of the universe to a heathen temple in honor of that false God. That's what he did. And the king, verse 3, And the king spake unto Ashpenaz, uh, the master of the eunuchs, that he should be uh, bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed. Hezekiah was told in, uh, I think, Isaiah 39, that some of his seed would be taken over into Cabin. They'd be eunuch, you'd be castrated, they'd be neutered. And of the princes. But why? Because Nebuchadnezzar had a great future plan for these kids. Children in whom there was no blemish, but well-favored, skillful in all wisdom, cunning in knowledge, understanding science, such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace, and uh, whom they might teach the learning and tongue of the people who killed their moms and dads of the Chaldeans. I want you to get that. Try to get in the head of these kids. Try to get in the mind of these kids what they saw, what they heard, what they smelled, what they, what they experienced. Because if you read this as just cold print, you're not going to think much ever read, oh, well, what, what, what big deal is that? But it was a big deal. And the king appointed them a daily port provision for the king's meat and of wine which he drank and nourished them three years. At the end of thereof, they might stand before the king. Now among these were the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Unto them the prince of the eunuchs gave names, which mostly most people in Sunday school are probably more familiar with the heathen names of these four boys than their actual Jewish names. Daniel, Belteshazzar, and then Hananiah was Shadrach, and Mishael was Meshach, and Azariah was Abednego. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. How many remember those names? You got those names? Oh, most of you read the Bible some. Most of you have been in Sunday school, amen. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Belteshazzar being Daniel, though he's referred to in the Bible mostly as Daniel. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. I can tell you from that statement, he's not bitter at God. I can tell you from that one statement, he's not mad at God. Let me tell you, in this room, there's nobody that's had tragedy, even in the, even in the nth degree, that this young boy already had in his life, and he never got bitter at God. Why are you? Why are you disappointed in God? He, he's not. And Daniel purpose in his heart. Of course, in verse 9, you see God come because God loves it when you love him and trust him in spite of what you see. And here's what happened. Now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. And the prince of the eunuchs said unto Daniel, I fear my lord, the king, who hath appointed your meat and your drink? For why should he see your faces worse liking than the children which are of, of your sort? Then shall uh, ye make me endanger my head to the king. And then Daniel then uh, uh, said Daniel to Melzar, uh, whom the prince of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, uh, in verse 12, Prove thy servants, I beseech thee, ten days, and let them give us pulse, or vegetables, to eat, and water to drink. Now, you vegetarians out there, do not jump on the horse. 
God is not saying meat is bad. What he's saying, this was, as Jews in the law of Moses, they were told certain things to eat and certain things not to eat under that economy. We are born-again Christians under the age of grace, so we're not under that same economy of food. But And it was not, it was not because the food was bad. It was because it was, it sanctified, sanctif I'm going to get this. God said, don't do that. And when he said, don't do it, don't do it. That's, that's all you need to know, amen? He said, don't eat pig, don't eat pig. He said, don't eat lobster, don't eat lobster. He said, don't eat snail, escargot, don't do it. But these kings said, well, this, the food that this king ate was uh, contrary to the law of Moses. And these kids were under the law of Moses. And so they said, we don't want to defile our, that's what it means by defile themselves. It was, it was defile themselves spiritually, not physically. And, and God, that, that just made God happy. And God caused the vegetables that they ate and the water they drank to make them healthier and look healthier than, that, than the wine and the, and the pig and everything else those old boys were eating. Now, if it's the king's food, I got to feel like it was lobster, you know what I mean? Butter, garlic every day. Ribeye. Black bear. Some of the best meat I've ever had, black bear. So I'm going to skip down there to verse 17. And as for these four children, God gave them knowledge. That, by the way, they looked better, and so he said, you can do this. And in verse 17, and these four children, God, God. Now put God. Now it's twice now we see that. God. God. Intervene. Gave them knowledge and skill and all learning and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Now the end of the days of the king has said that he should bring them, then the prince of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. This is a big day. Had they failed the test, they may have been. And the king communed with them, and among them all were found none, like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, therefore Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Belteshazzar, as he would have called them, stood before the king. And in all matters of wisdom and understanding, the king inquired of them, and he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers who were in his realm. Now, 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 just in case you want to try to credit the vegetables. The Bible said it was God. Just in case you out there, you vegetarian. I know you vegetarians. I know your agenda. Let me give you a quick, and that's the frivolous words of a preacher. Let me give you something I hope you take home. Five areas, five steps in the process of God to make someone great in his sight. Number one, he humbles you. If you want to be great with God and you want to have success with God, you're going to have to go through this process. It's the first step. It's the toughest step. It's the step nobody gets to bypass is God will have to humble you. Why? God resists the proud. But he gives grace to the humble. Your ego is anti-God. It's anti-matter, as the Star Trekker people would say. It is just wrong. It's the sin of the devil. It's the pride of life. It's one of the three major categories of sin. Pride of life, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes. 
Yet it is, it is so powerful in each of us. You come up and challenge me, I immediately, my pride wants to well up and challenge you back. I just want to knock your head off. It's interesting, Doc, that you taught on the beast within us. You didn't know I was going to do this, but the Holy Spirit did. But the, the, the God says, you can't do anything for me if you exalt yourself. If you lift yourself up, if you have a, a lot of confidence in your flesh, if you're leaning on the arm of the flesh, you will not succeed in the things of God. I didn't say you wouldn't succeed in religion, but you won't succeed with Jesus. Think of some people. Think through, think through your mind, Joseph. He was a great man. Oh, nothing bad was said about Joseph. And by the way, nothing's been bad. Nothing in the Bible, as far as I know, said bad about Daniel. Those and there ain't a whole lot of those folks. Joseph was humbled beyond belief. Think of Moses. He was full of pride, full of knowledge of Egypt, and God said, can't use you. Can't use you. How about spending 40 years out in the wilderness married to a sheep girl that smelled like the sheep? She didn't shave her underarm. She didn't shave her legs. She didn't shave her face. She didn't have a hairdo. She didn't, she didn't have, she didn't have no hairdo. She didn't have makeup. She didn't wear nice silk. Uh, she was a sheep girl. Uh, you don't need to know a lot to be a sheep herder. You need to know common sense, but you don't need to know what Moses knew. Moses must have looked around sometime and goes, what in the world? Forty years being trained up in the Egyptian and all the science and knowledge and everything, and here I am. Paul, the apostle, had to be humbled. Ooh, greatly humbled before God could use him. Uh, Jacob. Jacob. I, I don't like Jacob, and when I see him, I'll probably tell him. Oh, maybe I won't. I don't like Jacob. Jacob was arrogant. He was cocky. He was making deals, cutting deals with God. I didn't like it, but God saw something in Jacob. But let me tell you, God wouldn't have used Jacob had he not humbled himself. Jacob had a series of humbling him. Man, that boy was humble. He worked 21 years for, he worked 14 years for two women, one he didn't want. I don't know what was wrong with her, but she was some serious ugly. Peter, 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 the leader of the group. I won't deny you, though all the rest of these no good scum you called, they'll deny you. I mean, isn't that what he said? All the rest of these guys, if I'd have been one of them other guys, I said, let's whip him right now, right here. He's saying we're going to deny you, and he said he ain't going to deny you. That's pride, man, full of pride. She said, oh, you aren't going to deny me? Oh, before the cock crows thrice, you'll deny me twice. Or three times before the cock crows twice, you'll deny me thrice. He heard that sound. I bet a rooster could never crow and Peter didn't go. 
He didn't forget that. You don't forget something like that. So humiliation has to be for God to use you. You may say, Bill, you mean to tell me that forcible uh, castration, uh, castration and being neutered, uh, robbing one of their ability to ever have children of their own, and that's taking away your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren. It's big. It's big. Was one of God's steps for success? And you got to say, if you know the Bible, yes. You got to quit, and I got to quit trying to make God fit in a, in a box that we make. Well, if God did that to me, I'd never pray, I'd never go to church. You'd be the loser. You'd be the loser. It's time that you quit trying to figure God out and just faith them out. I don't know why God does what He does. I mean, I have some indication in Scriptures of who He is, but that's not everything that, is, that God is is not found in this book. Not everything He is. We have information we need to know, and we've been given what we need to know. And that's why this is here this morning. And so we see that God, we got to quit trying to figure him. I see people all the time saying, uh, I can't, I don't understand why God bankrupted me. He's trying to help you. I don't understand why God uh, gave me this disease. He's trying to help you. I don't know why God caused this pain in my life. He's trying to help you. I learned a little something about having pain for 22 years. The sooner you start thanking God for it, the sooner it's going to go bye-bye. You get start saying, God, thank you for the pain I'm in today. If this is what it takes for me to be pleasing in your sight, if this is what it takes for me to be a Christian that you love and, 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 and will, will, will give you joy and please you, thank you for it. And very likely when you start coming to that understanding, God will say, the pain's done its job. I'm going to take it away. Step number two, Daniel made a personal decision. I look at verse eight, he purposed in his heart. There's been a lot of preaching around that verse. Purposed in his heart, he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat and with the wine and all that. He would not defile. No one changes for God until he or she personally says, that's it, I'm changing. God doesn't force himself upon you. Daniel had to look at the situation and decide God was still true. By the way, he had to come to the conclusion God was still in control. It didn't look like God was in control to me, just looking from the outside. Nebuchadnezzar looked like he was in control. It didn't look like the Jews were in control when they got their temple destroyed. It looked like the heathen were in control. It looked like their gods of silver, whatever their names were, or their gods of gold, whatever their names were, that those were the gods that were the most powerful. But it wasn't so. Daniel made a personal decision. God's wisdom over his wisdom. God's will over his will. Purity is at the very heart of ever having God's presence or power. Separation from evil and obedience to God's command must be purposed in your heart. He purposed in his heart not to defile himself with the king's meat and the wine. What simply Daniel said is, they're going to have to kill me. Because had he 
What do you think would have happened had the ruler of the eunuch said, you're going to have to eat this? You think David, uh, you think Daniel and those boys would have eaten? I don't think they would have. I think you're going to have to kill us. We're not going to eat. I think this was a Alamo. This was their last stand. And they didn't know what God was going to do. They didn't have the book. They didn't know what God was going to do. I don't think Daniel knew he was going to be delivered, but Daniel knew that he had purpose in his heart. He wasn't going to defile himself before God. And that ultimately, he was going to stand before God, not Nebuchadnezzar and his old boys. And he said, I'm going to do what's right. Even if they kill me, I'm going to do what's right. Man, God loves that attitude. Step number three, he proved his word to be true. He believed God's word, and he just tried it. The Bible says, prove thy servants. Daniel said, prove thy servants to the guy. Prove it. He believed the promises of God. Maybe he quoted Psalm 142, 2, I poured out my complaint before him. I, sh- I showed before him in my trouble. When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then thou knewest my path in the way wherein I have walked. They privily laid a snare for me. I looked at my right hand and beheld, and there was no man that would know me, refuge failed me, no man cared for my soul. I cried unto the Lord, I said, Thou art my refuge and my portion in the land of the living. Attend unto my cry, for I am brought very low, about as low as you can go. Deliver me from from my persecutors, for they are stronger than I. Bring my soul out of prison, and I may praise thy name. The righteous shall compass me about, for thou shalt deal bountifully with me. Maybe that's what he quoted. Maybe that's what he looked back and or remembered as a young man. I don't know how good his memory was. I have a feeling it was real good. Psalm 142. Or maybe he went to Psalm 32 and said, Thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about songs of deliverance. Or maybe he quoted Psalm 34. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and delivered him out of all his troubles. I know one thing that Daniel cried. And I know that he threw himself on the mercy of God. And God answered. Step number four, God gave them ability. Step number one, let's go back and review personal humiliation Step number two, he had made a decision to trust God and just lean on him. Step number three, he believed God's word and just was willing to let God prove it to him. Step number four, God gave them ability. God came in and showed himself strong in their behalf. The Bible says God gave them the ability ten times better than the old heathen boys. Ten times better. God did it. And you know, God can, anytime God wants to, he can, he can raise his right arm and show his muscle. The arm of the Lord is not shortened that it cannot save. We're not a victim in America. By the grace of God, born-again Christians are living for the Lord, doing his will, trying to be pleasing in his sight. At any time, God can deliver us. If you're interested in success with God, it's not through the world. It's not through the world. Step number five, God publicly recognized them above the heathen and all their wisdom. Did God, let me ask you some questions. 
Did God ever restore Daniel's body? No. Did God ever restore Daniel a family? No. Did God ever restore Daniel to his homeland? He died in Babylon. In the heathen's company, he died. God worked out his unique plan for this unknown eunuch who simply trusted him with all his heart. Are you, let me ask you some questions as I close. Are you trying to control your life? Is your life in a tailspin? The harder you control, the worse it gets. Does everything seem to be working out as a disaster rather than a success? Maybe it's time you do what Daniel did and trust God. Sit back, hold on, take your hands off the roller coaster bar and scream all the way. I don't know what God's going to do. What's God going to do in America? I have absolutely no idea. If you would have asked me that we'd have the candidates we do, I would have said it never would happen in America. Of course, I'd have said that we'd never have transgender bathrooms either. That'll never happen in America. Most people know the difference between a male and a female. Pretty basic. But I know one thing. I want a purpose in my heart not to defile myself with this world because they're pushing on you to defile yourself. Just like these boys were pushing on these three, these four, just like their leaders were pushing on them. Now, you better, you better. No, don't do it. Don't do it. Do it God's way. And by the way, whatever happens to you, don't get bitter at God. Trust Him. I like the song. We sing it over and over again. We sing it so much it may lose its meaning. Trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. You may lose the meaning because you just repeated it too many times. Don't do it. Trust God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. And I'll tell you, the people who do that will never be disappointed in God. They're going to find... I met Daniel, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. Now, you know, most of you know the Bible story as they went down the road. Uh, eventually, you know, Daniel got to be the second in command over the whole thing. Isn't it interesting, Joseph, Joseph, with as with his, with his horrible as his life looked like it was going, got to be the second in command of all the, if I'm going to say it this way, the world. Egypt was the, strength, the superpower of the world. He was the second strongest, most authoritative individual in the known world. But he never sought that. He just sought to do the will of God and didn't get bitter. Both those men, Joseph and Daniel, neither one of them got bitter at God. And both of them had every reason to get bitter. They had every human, fleshly reason to be bitter at God. You have let me down. You've disappointed me. You've taken everything valuable from me. I don't have nothing left. They could have wah, 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 and cried themselves. Just, and they cried, no doubt. They cried. They, they were grieved. They were human like you and me. The Bible says they're like flesh like we are. Trust in the living God who made heaven and earth. You won't be disappointed. 
humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. He'll raise you up. Father, help us this morning to be able to understand in some degree the height, the depth, the breadth of what happened here to Daniel. Help us to somehow, in some degree, by the grace of the Almighty God and the understanding of the Holy Spirit, to get what happened there. Forgive us where we have taken this thing in our own hands. May, you, may we release our lives into your hands. Trust you as you go. And however you, ever you decide to deal with us. Some of us, Bible says to the church, one of the churches, be faithful unto death and I'll give you a crown of life. He told those folks, you're going to die for me. Uh, okay, okay. Father, help us in it this, this morning. May the Spirit of God move. There could be some here without Jesus, their personal Savior. You don't know if you died where you'd go or spend eternity. You'd, you've been thinking about it. God's been all over you. Why don't you come up as we sing in a moment? A couple verses are just as I am. Why don't you come up and make it known to us? We'll take you in a room one-to-one, man, man, lady, with lady. Show you the gospel. You can do whichever you want. We'll not press you. We'd like to know more about it. We'd love to have a little Bible study with you. We have First Steps program. If you've never been baptized, God forbid you ought to be baptized. If you're saved, never been baptized. Jesus was baptized. John the Baptist was baptized. All the disciples, apostles were baptized. People in the book of Acts got baptized. You ought to get baptized. Father, help these people to do the will of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand. If you would like to know more about Jesus and the subject preached on, please contact us at gospel at mygbcs.com or call us at 239-947-1285. God bless.